Welcome to episode 42 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hello. Hi. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. Today we have joining us Julian Mel Hewish, who's one half of the branding studio advertising agency of Churchwood and Mel Hewish. Both former directors, well, creative director of Saatchi Design, and then Joe was the director of Saatchi and Saatchi. And you started that in 2011, is that right? Yes, we did. Yeah. After 15 years I know. Being, that's a long time. It is a long time. <laughs> it's well, ridiculous. In this, biz- in this industry, it's crazy, isn't it? 15 years. I don't know. Is it? I guess it... Was it crazy? I mean, it, it feels crazy now because people seem to be jumping... Month to month. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, month to month. Yeah. Uh, but was it always? I mean, 15 years, is that a long time? I think, actually, you know what? I think in design studios, people move a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. Maybe advertising agencies, people can stay there a decade and often do and move up through the ranks. So... Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it, it is unusual nowadays in any industry. But um, there were good reasons to stay there that long. You know, it was a great company for a long time. Doing um, some amazing stuff. Yeah, uh, maybe, you know, that age of advertising's gone now. So maybe it will be different. And we get stuck straight into it. Is it gone? <laughs> 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 I think that, that golden age of the ad agency being incredibly profitable yep. and mm-hmm. doing really creative work and having kind of a, a hold on that, on advertising as such, yeah, that's definitely gone. Yep. So what's next? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to keep up with the present, so I don't really know what yeah. the future holds. You should tell me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like, so after 15 years, what, what was the defining moment that you went, actually, I think we could do this ourselves? I always thought I wasn't entrepreneurial and wouldn't, you know, I felt I liked the security of that kind of full-time job. I've got kids, uh, the mortgage, the usual stuff that kind of binds you down. It was boredom, really, I think. Uh, after, you know, 15 years and being nearly 50 at the time, yeah. it was time to reinvent, which is what you have to do. Have You, you know Paul Arden, who did those um, great books, uh, Fidon published them. In, in there, Paul Arden, who was a director of Sarches in London, had a, a, a graphic, like it was a pie chart, mm. and it told you that it was called the creative circle of life, and 50 was reinvention. I think 40s was like keeping up with the 20-year-olds and things yeah. like that, so it's kind of <laughs> funny. And I think he's absolutely right. That's, it, it really is a turning point, and you have to do, you know, you have to change and do something different. Mm. But it was terrifying too, because you know we were giving up really good money, yeah, mm. and there were it was good conditions. The company was good; they were treating us well. It was just I had to do it. It was now or never, you know. Forty nine. Yeah. It's a crazy time to be a startup, isn't it? <laughs> it's great. Yeah. What was that first day like in in your new office? Uh, manic, because <laughs> really? we were still working for some of the Saatchi clients. So oh it wow! Was really, it was really busy with their blessing, but it was. Uh, yeah, so it was just kind of disorganized and crazy. But it was busy, so that's a good thing. Yeah. So you started out busy, which is, which is good. You weren't out there yeah, trying to take your book around to every 
No, we did. Yeah. We were we were very fortunate. We had good relationships with some clients, and some clients came with us. Yeah. Um, so no, it wasn't, which is good because we're not cold callers. I can't, you know, I don't want to go around to companies and try and talk to a marketing director. That's nice that it's you never not. had to. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I need to now. <laughs> Back then we didn't, so it was you know it made the, it made the transition a lot easier. Do you call yourself an advertising agency or a design studio? I think mainly a design agency that specializes in branding, mm -hmm. but we're a kind of hybrid, like half our work is not, not design work and not branding. Yeah. Mm. What we tend to find is if you start the branding and you've got a great relationship with the client, then at some stage you either jump off or you become their marketing communications advertising company. Yeah. So you're trying to hang on as long as you can. <laughs> before they realize hang on a minute <laughs> but uh, yeah so you, you can you can work it can keep working hmm. if you're confident and competent I guess in all those areas hmm. and so would you I mean have, I'm just trying to take a backtrack how big is the studio is it still the two just the two of you no, it's four of us four of you yeah, yeah. Okay. two young designers and Joe and I Okay. Joe's older than me, I should point out. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to put that on. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case he's listening. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Great. So that's interesting that you've hired two designers to make up your studio, which kind of <coughs> comes back to the, is it a design agency advertising it? What, what is it? But 50% of your yeah. studio are designers. They are. I think if we, but I think we can have designers and we can mentor them to be able to do advertising. Great. Uh, if you hire advertising creatives, they end up, that's what they want to do. And they're more narrow in a way. Mm. I think maybe there's more flexibility if you hire bright designers. They can become anything they want to be. You can be anything you want to be, yeah. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you call yourself, though? Because you've kind of gone advertising and then design and then advertising and, and writing. Yeah, I, I don't really know. Um, yeah, back in the old days, Bob Gill in the 60s, the designers, then they didn't really, you know, uh, Fletcher Forbes Gill did advertising and design. There was yep. never this idea that you had to do one or the other. Yeah. They felt they could do everything, and maybe it's coming back to that again. Mm. I don't know. Or maybe we're just a one-off and we do it. I don't know. Mm. I'm not sure. Do you think most design companies don't venture into advertising? Well, I think it's, um, from, from what I see from the outside in, it, yeah, it seems to be mostly specializing in, a, in an area. It seems, it seems to be happening quite a lot. I mean, we talk about T-shaped people mm. um, quite a lot as well, where you, you're a generalist and you can do everything, but this is the thing that you're known for. Yes. You know, the IDO yeah, yeah. So, sort of thing. And I feel like, a lot, from the outside looking in, it seems like a lot of places, yeah, design studios seem to be going in that direction. I think if they start in design, they find it harder... But if I think about, like, say, Jonathan Kneebone, for example, he, he's able to kind of, you know, cross yeah. borders across a whole bunch of different borders. So yeah. And some of the people you brought up as well are perfect examples of people who there was no tag, I guess, that kind of yeah. stuck to them more. Yeah, Jonathan Kneebone's moved into the art world really mm. well, hasn't he? Yeah. Isn't that an amazing jump? Isn't <laughs> that where we all want to be, but nobody can yeah. actually pull it off? <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to know what he does... <coughs> Like what his day to day looks like now. Yeah, I feel very much like he will be much more in the artistic kind of realm <coughs> more than 
more than the design. So, I mean, he's almost a classic example where design is probably one portion of everything he thinks about, mm. everything that he does, and it, more like a medium than a craft, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Your big thing is is writing, obviously. I don't know if it's a big thing. I'm not, I wouldn't. I'm not a writer, but we certainly try to write well, and we encourage our designers mm-hmm. to write and think about writing as a starting point, not to think about graphics as a starting point, not to think about style or picking your font, yeah, and all the other things designers love to do. What <laughs> colour should it be? But uh, thinking about yeah, what you want to say. That's a great place to start. Mm. If you, you know, if you well, on any design project or advertising project, what do you want to say? That's the best kind of advice I've ever received, and it focuses you on the communication. Then, then you can decide everything else, or it decides itself for you because, yeah, you know the the message, the style will be, will suit the message, so it kind of makes it easier in a way. Mm because you know what you're going to say so you know it, it'll decide what font that should be set in and what if it needs pictures or not mm. I mean is this a brand proposition are, are you writing down notes are you having a meeting where you're using a whiteboard like when you talk about kind of everything stemming from the writing what's your what's your process I suppose I think probably more in terms of talking more, not necessarily branding as such although you could start off with a brand proposition a brand statement, mm. and then everything should flow from that. But everything to do with marketing communications mm. should be written first. Mm. When you came in, you showed us this amazing newspaper that you've just done, which yeah. I think we should bring up because maximum meaning minimum means. Yes. So talk us through what this is. It's just, it's not for a client, it was just for us. And it's taking examples of the most beautiful writing we could find, not our writing. So Swinburne, the poet from the 18th century, Auden, uh, James Joyce. I think there's some Shakespeare in there too. And then... There's some new order, I saw. And some new order, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Those They're all (laughs) great. And then um, presenting it in the most vernacular manner we could, such as hand-painted as if it would be on a country butcher's window, the old hand lettering, or written by a child, or I think the New Order one was just a classified ad we placed in the Sydney House. Or Google Words, you know. So so hopefully, I don't know if it's successful or not, but there's a tension between the beauty of the words and the medium, the the medium that it's presented in. I think it's wonderful. And I guess I'm interested in why... Is this just a, a project to get everyone inspired in the in the studio, or? Yeah, I think it's it's. I think you always have to do side projects. Mm-hmm. I think they're good to do. Um, it's certainly not for award entries, which most side projects for designers tend to be. <laughs> right. We, we don't enter them anymore. We can talk about that later. We will. Um, yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's something you'll never get a client to do something like that yeah. but if you show clients things like that it expands their view of what more of a the possibility of design could be yeah <laughs> so it's always useful and it's useful to this fun yeah mm. that's a good thing no it's <laughs> wonderful it's just a really beautiful piece so you don't enter awards anymore 
No, we we stopped about four years ago. I, I wanted to really focus on the business because I know you can do both, and some people manage it really well. <laughs> <laughs> I need to focus partly because the the business has to be successful. There's no plan B, and therefore it needs to be sustainable, so it has to make profits. And there's no... I don't want to go back to working in a studio owned by somebody else. There, at, at my level, there aren't that many jobs anyway as, as a creative director. I don't know where you'd go. And we've put all our energy into making sure the business works. Whereas at Saatchi, we had a lot of time mm. to muck about and do all kinds of arts projects and less serious stuff at their expense. Yeah. Right. And with their blessing. Yeah. <laughs> so this was this, was, this was a golden age. <laughs> what, <Yeah>. what happens? <laughs> I'm coming in way too late to this whole thing, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Well paid and time to waste their money. That's great. Yeah. But yeah. I think it was their their ethos was always that we had to do the best work we could even if it cost them money. Right. And it did. It mm. did cost them money. I'd often spend the whole budget on production, if I could. <laughs> always always 100% of the budget was <laughs> yeah. spent, I assume, yeah. Yes. Um, because it's nothing to balk at. I mean, there was eight DNAD awards. I've discovered this in my research. Um, 16 <laughs> award awards, um, 12 one show, and 49 actor awards of some kind. So that's nothing to, that's a pretty impressive. Nothing to, yeah. scoff, to scoff at. Where, where are no. they in your house today? I was going to say, They're my, my, my oh. terrible joke was, do you have a pool room at home with, <laughs> with all of your awards? No, no, I don't. Um, I don't take any of that stuff home. I think it's, I, don't, I want to keep it separate from home. Right. And uh, my family's very dismissive anyway, as, as they should be. <laughs> Still um, don't really know what you do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, in a, you go to an actor's house, they have their yeah. awards always in the toilet. It's always under the toilet, under the stairs yeah. or something. That's where they put their, that's where they put their awards. So it's kind of a, the, yes, you can see them, but they're, they're put there for a reason. Yeah. Humility. <laughs> no, I, I've got some at work. I haven't kept many. And I was thinking I want to melt them down because I don't really like having them around anymore. So if you can suggest anything, I should melt them down into. But mm. they just seem a waste. I know a bronzer that I could get you in touch with. He does Great. smelting for us. So if you ever need a bronzer, <laughs> okay. he's a good yeah. guy. Yeah. I just don't know what shape to tell him to, yeah. to yeah. make out of it. A doorstop, perhaps. Yeah, so why good. why don't you like having them around anymore? Hmm. I, I'm a bit embarrassed by them. I think I don't, I don't think they're that hard to win, mm-hmm. particularly in this industry. It, you all you have to do is take an arts project or your own project, and do whatever you want, and enter it, mm-hmm. and you'll get credit. Well, that seems a bit too easy. I think. I think in the same way that you know with your side projects. It's a way for a client to uh, get, what's the word I'm looking for? Clarification on your skills or something like that? No, I don't, because no. I don't think clients give a damn about awards. Certainly none of our clients are aware we ever won any, and they certainly wouldn't care even mm-hmm. if I bothered to tell them. I suppose um, you could probably just make up some fake ones and get them set up. The Flynn Tracy Awards. Yeah. Three, yeah. three, three years in a row. It's, li- it's literally a polished turn. <laughs> <laughs> I think they, I think yeah, the, that was an impressive list, and it was because when I 
became a designer, I was desperate for uh, my peers to acknowledge that, yeah, the work was good. Mm. And I've outgrown that. Mm-hmm. I'm more confident there. <laughs> right. So you know it's good. You don't need an award to tell you, is that? Well, I did for a long time. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that's partly because I don't have a design degree. And I came out of it from advertising. So I was kind of, you know, I was seeking approval right. from the stars of the design world. Did you have the imposter syndrome? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, I, I kind of craved that. I wanted that. And then you c- I think you do outgrow it. Maybe mm. you do. Maybe you do if you win over 50 awards. Maybe you don't if you don't win that many <laughs> awards. See, maybe that's the thing. Maybe there's they're people de- sitting there at 49 yeah. going, oh, I've still got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's something, there's something that, there's a tipping point, right? Yeah, Malcolm maybe. Gladwell situation happening here where <laughs> it's, just, it's just, all right, I got too much gold. This is too bling. I don't need this anymore. I'm going to start my own, my own company and I don't need this. But maybe if someone isn't as recognized and they enter a lot, enter a lot of awards maybe they maybe they're not there yet maybe they covet your covered awards maybe but you can't carry on living a life like that can you there right. has to be a stage where you have to stop right. <laughs> I think. and also you know with we do a lot of work for New South Wales government and federal government and what could I show them the CEOs out of the Agda book as evidence that we as an industry, add a lot of value. Yeah. I can't think of something. And then if I do think of something, like, um, say, the Optus rebrand when Lee did it, the, sorry, not the most recent Yes one, the one mm. that seemed, I mean, what, two years before? Or <laughs> one year before? Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculously so recent. Um, I'm not allowed to say anything about that anymore because I have death threats. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say it because <laughs> me. I think that's a great example of a, a successful rebrand. Yeah. And um, I don't know if that did get into Agda. Somebody told me it didn't. But I think that, that should get the highest honour because that was great work and it was for a big brand. And it's commercially relevant. Most of the stuff in Agda, including my own, I'm not pointing the finger at anybody, hmm. Virtually all my awards have come from arts work, mm. where, as I just said, I probably blew the whole budget on production. I wasn't interested in anything else. When you say an, an art project, this is not a real client? This is something that the studio has decided we're no, going to no, do a No, no, real thing? clients. It's a real They're, client. Yeah, a Sydney Writers Festival, Sydney Festival, okay. clients within the arts world. So non-profits no, and things like that? Yeah, or? yeah. Okay. No, not, not our own creation. It is all for clients, but... Mm the rules change, don't they, when they're not a commercial client. So how do the rules change? Because it's, as everybody knows, it's a hell of a lot harder to get an (laughs) award-winning piece through for a commercial organisation when you have to go through board levels. Right. And getting an idea through. And ACTA rewards the the peripheral, the more arts-based, because that's spiritually where a lot of designers want to be mm. Mm. that the commercial stuff's never weighed up mm. I remember I, I judged a ward once and there was a, a pa- piece of packaging for Telstra and it was pretty good and I was trying to persuade the jury that this deserved recognition because it was for Telstra and they wouldn't have a bar of it because <laughs> it oh. wasn't the most beautiful iteration of design it's true it wasn't mm. but I thought it was really good but it was for Telstra. I kept saying, it's for Telstra. Look, that must be really hard. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't fly. Mm. 
it's funny because Kevin Finn obviously went over yeah. and did the awards, um, Dean AD awards. Yeah. And he was saying just that question of what is branding and what is good and how it was different from all the judges from different countries. Yeah, I he was saying something about the definition of what branding is. Yeah. And then there was someone there, I, if memory serves, was from France. And she was saying, but that's not branding, that's identity. And that person was oh saying, but, is, but, but, that <laughs> is, but that is, and I could be backward. I could have this completely backwards, but... No, um, it was along those lines. But it was, it, and, the, and the debate was about that. So it was semantics, yeah. essentially. But, you know, they, they were talking about, does this person get the award or does this person? Mm. And it came down to... <clears throat> that might be just a problem of the categories... Maybe. Yeah, if you've got a category yeah. for branding and a category for identity, then that's going to be confused, isn't mm. it? Yeah. I would have thought. It's kind of all in together. Yeah, mm. that must make it really hard. As <laughs> a judge. <laughs> it would do. I wouldn't know. <laughs> so you're not entering awards, but if you were asked to judge awards, would you do it? Um, no, well, I haven't, I haven't um, since we set up the business, no. And I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I think if you... Don't enter Agda. I don't know. I don't think perhaps you should judge it. Mm -hmm. I have judged it before, and I judged DNAD and award. But I, yeah, I think if you don't, if you don't enter it, and you think it, maybe it's not relevant to you anymore. Mm. Should you judge it? If DNAD ring and fly me to London, put me up in a hotel, maybe, <laughs> maybe. maybe I'll change my mind. They're not going to listen to this. This they? is the call out. <laughs> they might. You never know. You never know. I wanted to kind of backtrack to um, when we were talking about Saatchi. And before I get this wrong, so it's there's Saatchi and Saatchi. There's Saatchi design. It's all this sort of stuff. Was Saatchi design, is that technically correct? Yeah, it's the design division within, within Saatchi and Saatchi. It's confusing. Which was a bit, like, a bit like RE is the division of M&C Saatchi. Right. Interbrand have a connection to DDB. Right. Often these big agency groups, they get branding because it walks in the door. Mm. They, you know, clients come in for advertising, but if they need branding, mm. oh, hang on, we've got this department here. They could do that. Right, like literally in the same building. <coughs> same building, Maybe. just down here. Yeah. yeah, great. We'll invite them to coffee. Yeah. <laughs> great. But I wanted to talk about um, sort of a time a time where um, Kevin Finn and Chris Doyle were both, and you guys were all in the same building, which we've brought up in a couple of episodes that you can kind of trace people back. <laughs> to these, to these yeah. periods yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in time and some of the listeners have heard this a bunch of times but Moon's a classic example Frost is a great example yes, and things like that Landor as well a mm. bunch of other places of course that I haven't mentioned what was it What was it like working with those people and I'm more curious to find out if because Chris talks a lot about language mm. um, in design he thinks there should be more and more of it he's quite an advocate for it um, yeah. in our little world did he did he I guess come into that or is that a, a process of you mentoring him or what happened there? Did you hit him over the head with a Yeah, something? just made him write lines. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time coming into Saatchi on a whiteboard, just like, I will become a better copywriter? I, I think he, I think, yes, Kevin and I did mentor him, but he had a writing talent. So he came in fully armed. dates it. Yeah, he just needed guiding. His talent is his own. I can't take credit for that. Okay, that <laughs> takes me to my next question, which is for the rest of us plebs <laughs> who don't have any copywriting experience, how can we how can we how can we bring in copywriting? How can we learn? Do we need, do we need to read a lot? Do we need to write more? What would you say? I think start by reading. There's some great books on writing. Mm. Actually, they're, they're, actually, you know what it is? It's writing for advertising. Actually, right. There, there are some fantastic books out there. I think that's a great place to start. Okay. 
What was that one? Hey Whipple, squeeze this. Yeah. Which was really good. Yeah, that's good. And the art of copywriting. Yep. Which was also um, good. DNA Deer published a copy book. Mm-hmm. That's really good. I got a note. There's a one by Lindsay Camp, who's a UK copywriter, called Can I Change Your Mind? Okay. That's really good. Okay. It's about persuasive writing. Mm. I think this is. I think designers perhaps have steered away from writing because the word persuasive they're kind of objective because they don't they don't see themselves as selling anything or certainly you know they don't want to dirty their hands with commerce <laughs> and they you know in advertising we talk about openly about polishing the apples that's the job right or oiling the wheels of capitalism but um <laughs> and designers kind of shirk away from that oh we, we want to create nice things and we, you know they, they forget that they're actually they're employed to persuade or to sell more of something. Mm. That's what you get paid for. Yes, the art stuff is beautiful, and that's good. And, you know, design can be that broad, but you get paid mainly to change, transform a brand so it becomes more profitable for Mm. the company. Mm. And I think, I suspect, that they haven't, you know, they don't really want to get into that (laughs) area. Mm. I know a lot of designers have said they don't like the tone of the advertising industry. Hmm. I can understand why. Things like Mad Men probably don't help. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I think even the word persuade as well is kind of it's got this kind of history with it that is yeah. you're being persuaded to do something you wouldn't yeah. want to do. But right. I think you can be persuaded to do something that is actually quite good for you or that yes. you should be doing. Yes, it's so topical because I just wrote a course and I put in it um, a unit about persuasive writing. And it was hilarious. It was only a paragraph, don't worry about it. It was very <laughs> And it, it was hilarious to see the students' reaction. They were like, why, why do we have to learn this? Oh, yeah, yeah. They, don't, they wouldn't recognize it as no. being... But all the industry that I kind of took it to and said, and they were like, oh, I'm so glad you've got that in there. Yeah. So it was really, it's still that kind of stigma, I guess, that they, mm. they don't see yeah. how writing is part of the design world. No. If you frame it, perhaps that you're, you know, you're working for an orchestra and you have to sell a seat ticket, mm. then that might be more palatable for them, yeah. rather than thinking they have to sell a car <laughs> yeah. to or somebody who s- doesn't want. Or oh yes, yeah. cigarettes. You can't work on that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about that time. I guess was it in in your mind? Was that a bit of a golden age? Did you feel like you're doing particularly interesting stuff at that time? And just so I get it right, so Kevin was also creative director as well yes while he was there I was there 15 years Kevin I think uh, seven perhaps I can't remember and so we kind of jointly held that role while he was there Mm -hmm. which is an unusual setup but it worked yeah Uh, and then we yeah jointly hired Chris and a few lots of other designers came through came through the place I think that period in advertising was good for ad agencies because they had absolute control. You know, they mm. weren't content creators out there. They weren't digital agencies starting up. They weren't design companies encroaching into their area. Mm. You know, now, God, they've got a myriad of um, yeah of competitors. Some of whom are even coming from clients. You know, people like Deloitte have got an in-house design department. So yeah. Yeah, the consultants are getting a really big too. one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it used to be simple. You know, when I started in advertising, you ran a thirty-second TV ad in the national press. Your sales would go up. That was it. Mm. It was really 
bit of radio. There was no posters. There was nothing, nothing else to do. There was yeah. nothing. It was quite simple business, really. I mean, in a way, it still is because, in a way, it hasn't changed, has it? In that the, if you can still make something interesting and persuasive, that still stands out, then it's still the same business. Right. The channels have changed a lot. But right. you still have to get seen or heard. And I think that's the problem now. There's so many so many yes. avenues where people just don't... Like, I, d I don't watch TV. And so straight away, no. I've lost... Or, or, yeah. Yeah. And then there's some people who don't listen to the radio and, and therefore yeah. you've lost them. Where I think in the past, it was kind of people were more consistent with what they, they did because maybe there was less options. There was no choice. Mm. We knew on a Monday night Coronation Street in the UK we'd get 17 million viewers yeah. and you'd get 18 million on Wednesday. Yeah. And you right. knew who they were too. You knew exactly who they were. Yeah. And the, the national press, you might have 10 national dailies segmented by socioeconomic group. So you knew who they were too. Yeah. Actually, I remember working, the planner would just say, we're talking to Daily Mail readers. They wouldn't it, even go yeah. through Everyone the demographics. Yeah. They'd just say, oh, it's mainly independent, bit of Guardian. Yeah. Uh, they, and you would just immediately know who they were. You could visualize yeah. them. Yeah. But yeah, how would you do that now? It'd be mm. difficult, wouldn't it? It's got more complex. Absolutely, yeah. And I guess you can track people better, like I'm thinking about the kind of online news services. So you can yeah. definitely track people better and the data is more reliable, I guess. But still, yeah, there's... But you've got to interpret that data, you've got yeah. to predict it, and you've I, got to I, map it out, you've got to... Because there's so many options, is like it just makes every... Like the numbers are just a lot lower. Right. Or is it because because we are, we're harder to... We're not as consistent as we used to be, like we, we'll flip-flop to wherever yeah. we feel. Mm. Yeah, we were, we were doing some UX workshop stuff and someone accidentally started talking about a target market instead of a user, um, which started a 30-minute oh, really? debate. And <laughs> <laughs> that, well, I mean, it's kind of talking about this target market does X, Y, and Z, and it's like, but I'm in this target market, but I do this. So your yeah. data would immediately be wrong because people in my demographic don't do that, yeah. but I do this, and this person does this, and this person does this. Yeah. So it's more about today, on a Monday, I'm this, I would fit into this category for you, but by Friday, I'm this person huh. because mm. of how because my behaviour is different to yeah. my demographic. Which I'm just thinking about whole... all the times I've spoken to UXs about target markets. Yeah, yeah, really showing that I need. need <laughs> 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 is it because they don't like the term? Do they? Because it target market like the word consumers. It's seen as the context of what we were talking about was to, to was to improve a user experience. So it was actually to improve something from the inside out, more so than getting caught up with I'm trying to appease this pretend person that doesn't yeah. exist and kind of making everything go that way instead of mm. actually doing some research and things like that so I think that the pathway between some work and the sale is getting convoluted and complex isn't it and, mm. and almost untraceable yeah you know that mm. seat at the opera how how did you first start that process of buying it? It's, oh, it's I absolutely. don't know. It can be. It's yeah. It seems too really complex. So, yeah. you know the old adage that I know half the budget I spend on advertising is wasted, but I don't know which half. 
which is an American financier said it. That's probably more true now than ever before. Yeah. Right. In fact, it might be more than half is wasted. And you just really don't know. It's a jungle, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I've seen some si- some system designers kind of start talking about how complex the whole process. I mean, you think about downloading an app and we kind of map that out. And from where did you first hear about it to why you downloaded it, when you downloaded it, mm. to when you deleted it. And this whole <laughs> life cycle of this thing, you could just, you, you, you know, you fill up wall after wall after wall of just every single micro kind of decision. Yeah. Um, from when you actually finish that whole cycle. And that's just an app on a phone. Wow. Not buying a car or yeah. getting a mortgage or health care or <laughs> switching banks. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to talk a bit more about kind of uh, the channels, I suppose, is the, is the language we've been using tonight. Uh, of your work. So sometimes we're talking about video, um, print, obviously copywriting and traditional graphic design and branding. We do a lot of of different kind of mediums and things like that. Is that, do do you find that your clients are coming to you with a problem and you're proposing a channel with a solution or are they often coming to you saying, we saw the work that you did over here in this kind of channel. Can you do something similar for us like this? I think they're generally coming with an idea of what they want. That's the boring answer, isn't it? Yeah. But <laughs> I know it'd be more exciting for me to say, no, we're the geniuses. <laughs> they come to us wanting an ad and we give them something else. Yeah. They generally see something we've done and want something similar, okay. such as video or whatever. I mean, the, the reason we're kind of diverse is that when a client you like asks, can you do this? The answer is always yes, of course. Right. <laughs> of course we can. We're experts. You're also a small team. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But we get in help. You know, I don't know how to film a video, but I know lots of production companies who can. Right. So we just get them in to, to shoot it. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I guess that would kind of lead me to my next question, which is developing those relationships with all these kind of kind of third-party agencies and things yeah. like that, these, these relationships you've had for a long time. Do you actively go out there to try to find new people or no, go out there handing business cards out at Central Station? <laughs> what's, what's your strategy? It's a, a, well, after 15 years at Saatchi, we know a lot of people in the industry. Yeah. And a lot of them have left and become marketing people or film companies or editors mm. or whatever. So and it's all word of mouth, which is actually, that's how we get work too. It comes back. Mm. Recommendation is really the only thing that seems to work for us. We get recommended by clients all the time to other clients, and it, it just comes coming back like a it's a really nice circle, right? Uh, and we recommend people. I think that yeah, reputation over is time. Everything. I don't yeah. know any other way to market ourselves. Or as I mentioned earlier, Joe and I are the last people to ever phone somebody up and ask for work. Right. I'd hate to do that. I know some studios are very good at it. Yeah. If they're more salesy. So is yeah. anathema for us. So you're not you're not out there pitching pitching all the time? I mean obviously the situation will come up every now and then where you are pitching for work, presumably. Occasionally. Right. Yeah, we don't like pitching. Nobody likes pitching. No. Especially when you lose. Right. <laughs> it feels terrible. Is that why people is that why people don't like it? I uh, no, people feel devalued by the process. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we don't free pitch, but usually these days they'll pay you two grand, five grand to pitch. Right. And if the project's big enough, you might consider it. But it's still a nasty process. Right. It is. It's, force, if, it's forcing competition. It's unpleasant, isn't it? I don't like it. 
do you see your friends in the foyer and kind of wave as you, you're going <laughs> it's in? It's happened. And, yeah, <laughs> it has. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it has happened. And they're hard to win because you're up against, you might be, you know, one of five or mm. four. Mm. So, you know, the odds are stacked against you anyway. Right. And only there can be only one, right? Absolutely. So there's four yeah, people going home. But you still home. have to give away your ideas, don't you? Mm. You give it your best shot. So you're basically giving them everything that's in your brain. There. There you go. I have my five grand. <laughs> and then you might not get it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, this is an industry-wide sure. problem, isn't it? I mean, architecture has similar pitch competitions that they right. find yeah. very difficult too. Mm. And you can understand the client's point of view. Yeah, I can. They, yeah. they probably don't really have an idea what they want. That typical thing of, I know it when I see it. Yeah. Kind of mm. thing. Sure. So. And they're like, well, we've got the money. We've got the... It's a big project. It's important to us. Let's get some people to pitch. It also be, it, it becomes who who wins. Is it the best person for the project or the person that's good at pitching? Don't know. It depends who who's good <laughs> at it, it, how good the client is at deciding. At that. reading, yeah. Reading mm. it. I don't know. Mm. I think also in a corporate world, it spreads responsibility, which is a lot of corporate cool. people are quite keen to do. Like yeah. spread decisions as wide as possible, so that when if it it turns to if it crap. Goes wrong. Nobody can point the finger at me. <laughs> um, so you, you, you know, if you have a maybe five people in the, from the client side or a board deciding, yes, we did a pitch. We put put it into research as well. That's always a favourite. Yeah, yeah. Research pointed at groups. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I mean, occasionally you do end up with disasters, but um, yeah, if the if the responsibility they're keen to spread it wide, and you can understand that, then yeah, when it yeah. when it goes wrong. It was a group decision. I've, I've never considered that, but that makes a lot of sense. Because <laughs> yeah, they're really they're only thinking really when you present work. They're thinking, "What will my boss think?" Right. They won't tell you that. They're, that's what they're really thinking in mm. their mind. Thinking, "Okay, is this a risk or not?" Mm. Particularly government. Government's very risky. I was going to ask about mm. government. Yeah. Is that is that a different? I mean, do they get towards the end of the financial year and suddenly everything gets passed? <laughs> Um, I think they, there's a lot of reforms going on in government, mm. a lot of changes, restructures. Everybody gets restructured every minute. Yeah. I don't know if it's dependent on their financial year, but they're, we seem to be trusted by them. And we're, again, it's word of mouth, it's spreading. Mm. And so, yeah, we're trusted and we seem to get quite a lot of work. And it's consistent. Mm. So it's good. There's they a lot of parts, lot of yeah. government departments, <laughs> so it's a lot of work to yeah. go around. And and they're changing their names and everything. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they all want they all want a sense of pride and ownership, and yeah. uh, particularly to keep retained staff mm. a, a sense of themselves not as part of one small cog in a giant government. That yeah. that you know we we do this thing really well and we're proud of that and we look slightly differently. To right. everybody else, hmm. it's for the same reasons that um, corporations Their want to do that do, too. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah. I want to take you back all the way to when you first started in this industry. Yeah, where you were a post post, post boy. boy. <laughs> and the reason I bring that up is because I started as a post boy oh, as did well, you? <laughs> but, where? In a, but in an insurance company. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's not quite as exciting, <laughs> but not a very exciting job though. But I was always amazed that because you are going everywhere, 
and I assume this is probably what you were doing, you got to see right from the kind of top levels to the bottom levels of what people were doing. And when I read that in your, that, that that's what you used to do, I, in an advertising agency, thought that would have been quite interesting to have seen the kind of the whole of the industry before you actually were taking part. Walked into the wrong room at the wrong time and <laughs> suddenly got a raise. No, you're right. It, it's a, it's almost a system of apprenticeships before yeah. everybody had degrees, where everybody right. expects to walk into a decent job. There was, in a lot of organisations, particularly advertising, always had this system of, better employ somebody to do the post. You'd do that for a year or two, then you would move into a department that you felt was interesting. Mm-hmm. And there were post boys. It was sexist. There were no post girls. They oh, probably really? would get directed to the typing yeah. section. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know it's wrong. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You would. You knew the CEO and everybody else. Mm. And a lot of people said, "Oh, I started as a post boy too." Oh right. Or I started in a similar capacity. So it was expected that you would move up. Yeah. If you had any, any ability, I think. So it's kind of like cutting your teeth. You're doing the yeah, doing yeah. the hard so yards. Sydney still do that, and a lot of right. great creatives have gone on and been incredibly successful. But started mm. either mm. on reception at Saatchi and Saatchi Sydney, doing the post, filling up the fridges. You know, you do all that stuff. It sounds so relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might regress. <laughs> <laughs> and that was back in the days when there was post. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Remember? What do they do now? I yeah, don't stock know. the stock the fridges, order pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get the coffee. They yeah. have to do lots of things, yeah. Hmm. Check my email for me. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking if someone could pay someone to go through my email for me, that would be amazing. <laughs> I can go through it and mark everything as red if you like. <laughs> so everything was on paper. Everything was, yeah. a, you know, any instruction, a contact report from the suit meeting the clients would be written out hmm. and distributed on a memorandum to maybe 10 people in the agency the next yeah. day. Right. So... Everything had to be catalogued and written. So that actually, that was that internal mail was bigger, really, than the external mail. Mm-hmm. But um, you can imagine getting a memo like a day later about something you have to do. Seems impossible now, doesn't it? Does. It does. <laughs> does to me, yeah. <laughs> wow. But it was great. It was good. But nothing, mm. it didn't feel like anything moved slower. The, the production process did. Yeah. yeah. I know, it probably felt fast at the time, didn't it? Yeah. But, <laughs> the production process to making an ad and getting an ad in a newspaper on TV was massive yeah, true. and involved a lot of people. Mm. Whereas you know now you can just do it on your own. Mm. But back then it was uh, it was a you know se- several days at least mm. to get it done. Yeah, that seems crazy now. Just record it on your iPhone, upload to YouTube. <laughs> Robert, <laughs> Robert, your father's brother. You done? There, there was no computers. Or <laughs> no, it was a pocket. What a wacky, what a wacky we time. We had a calculator. Well, I moved into print production from Post, which was like a, a normal vertical move. And we had a calculator. We didn't have a fax machine. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... <laughs> so what do you think... Is there benefits from that experience that you think students aren't getting today? I mean, an obvious one is the kind of Post Boy experience where you do kind of get to see the whole business. But Yeah, maybe, maybe they specialise too young maybe mm-hmm. I don't know mm. but often they they'll graduate and then move move from several jobs it's easier now I think to change and reinvent yourself and try lots of different things whereas 
then it was very rigid. Mm -hmm. That's what you would be. You'd be a media buyer, a planner, mm. an agency suit meeting the clients like the account handlers or traffic and production or creative. You know, it was, and you'd stick with those roles. Mm. Very few people kind of moved in or out of them. So I think we're better off now, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, society's improved a lot too. It was it was sexist, it was racist. Yeah, mm. abs absolutely improved on, on those things. But I like that kind of, it's almost like the slow food of advertising or design in the sense that you, yeah, you did have to kind of work your way up and kind of do those. God, I remember the jobs of filing, just being mats in the filing room and then be there for days <laughs> just filing stuff. That was two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have a filing room. We just couldn't find Matt. <laughs> but just, yeah, I mean, I remember that kind of, there was that kind of I had to, if I did a good job in there, that I might get more interesting jobs out of the filing room, maybe yeah. in a glue tent. Um, <laughs> that that postboy thing for me was a massive learning experience. Yeah. Overhearing conversations and all that kind of stuff. I, I knew more than everyone else knew. <laughs> yeah. I was the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's just a lot of competition now. Like for for juniors, uh, if you can get your foot in the door and you're the, and you're a lovely person, you turn up on time and everything, you, and they have a spot for you, you you probably get it and they'll probably work on you. But I think mm. getting your foot in the door, there are some amazing graduates out there. Like every now and yeah, then, someone harder, someone it? pops up and you look at a portfolio and you think that person can't be a junior. Yeah, they can't be a junior. Mm. And you find out that they are a junior. You know, and the, and, you, and you compare them to kind of everybody else. Unfortunately, mm. you just think this is this is oranges and apples. Yeah, like that person gets it already. What investment, you know? But then and then there's the rest of us. Mm. <laughs> and so I include myself. In, I include myself <laughs> in that group because I was never that wonderkind kind of person. But every now and then they pop up. I think it is harder now because mm. of the number, the sheer number of graduates. Yeah, I mean, back when I started, if you turned up and asked for a job, they'd take you seriously. As long as you're wearing a tie and you're a man. Yes. <laughs> you did bring up the, the gender thing, so I just thought... No, yeah, you're right, yeah. With the right accent. Oh, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. You're a white yeah. male with the right accent, which I could adjust my accent accordingly. <laughs> um, probably helped. Right, yeah. I wanted to kind of talk about starting, starting a business because you're at this five-year point. Yeah. So, I'm, yeah. I'm curious... Uh, it's you probably perfect, don't perfect talk time about to look back on five years is an interesting kind of milestone yeah. can't really call yourself a startup anymore really not really no, no. you probably haven't thought about yourself as a startup. <laughs> so what so what are you small business small business yes yeah. like most studios are probably less than 10 people aren't they yeah. yeah so we're quite typical like that we're in redfern almost in surrey hills great place surrey to be hills. yeah surrey hills, absolutely <laughs> yeah it is you're right it is time to take stock and we're, in, we're enjoying it. It's going well. We are, thank God, there's no, as I said, there's no plan B and we don't have to have a plan B now. We're feeling more confident about it, I think. Great, yeah. And it's growing. I mean, it's not amazing. It's not like we've made loads of money in the first year. It's been a slow but gradual upwards on the graph, so. Great. Yeah, it's good. I, neither of us would want to change anything. And all, all, all their desks are made from gold, though. <laughs> they, they drink from gold coffee cups. Yeah, right. Redfern Yacht Club. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, they, we don't 
envisage stopping. Mm. There's no retiring. So from looking back on those five years, is there some big learnings that you would have done differently given the chance? Um, we've learnt a lot about how to run a business, I think. But then I, I'm the creative and Joe is everything that isn't creative. So timelines, money, yeah. production. So what I've learned is what I suspected is that creative people shouldn't be setting up a business on their own because they're usually rubbish with money <laughs> <laughs> and terrible with time and not great with clients yeah. as well <laughs> not diplomatic with clients <laughs> so I think yeah that to do it with somebody who understands the business side of it is mm. essential yeah not essential Chris Doyle manages it Kevin does but um, I think it would have been difficult for me to do it on my own yeah, and it's easier with two of you. You know, you can encourage each other, and you've got more confidence to do it. But really, you have to make sure the business is sustainable, mm. and you have to be profitable to do that. You have to pay yourself and and store some money for the inevitable downturn that's going to happen. Yeah. So, I, I think it's a really an neglected part of design mm. education because people don't designers generally don't want to talk about it, do they? They don't want to talk about money. No, money They're tends to be, you can kind of whisper it slowly. Yeah, and yeah. You, yeah I find that a lot. Push, with, push the envelope across the table. We ha I had some students help me out um, just for an event recently. I said, it's okay, I'm within the budget, you can pay me. Um, and it still took me about three turns before I could get an invoice from them. And on the invoice, it's invoice number two and things like that. So they're obviously <laughs> still, you know, I'm like, guys, don't do this. Make it a random number so it doesn't look like this is the second invoice. <laughs> but but they were still very sheepish about talking about money, about actually yeah. in sending mm. that invoice was clearly a, a difficult thing for them to do. Mm. And I remember being like that when I was talking about money too. Yeah. Now I'm like, give me the invoice so I can pay it, so I can wipe this off my desk. I don't, <laughs> well, don't want to raise it up front, do they? They'd rather do the work and then and then yeah. negotiate afterwards a fee, which you can't do in the business world because right. they'll rip you off. You can't. You have to decide up front, get them to sign an estimate. Yeah, but you know it's not legally binding, I guess. But it, at least it, it gives you some kind of protection. Mm. Yeah, uh, and a scope mm. of work. Mm. Yeah, it's almost if you turn up with with the work, then it, it devalues very quickly because it's already been done. So mm. yeah, and they'll say, "How long did that take?" Yeah. <laughs> all my life <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all my life to learn it isn't it yeah yeah exactly so so what's next you you sort of said you're enjoying it more of the same have you got any no we should have shouldn't we we should have a plan <laughs> I should be able to tell you this is our 10 year plan yeah. <laughs> and we're reaching for the stars but we haven't we need to talk about it yeah yeah, I'll talk to Joe. Joe, I'll talk to you tomorrow. I'm glad we can, I'm glad we can help. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's much like a lot of design companies. We're just kind of stumbling along, yeah. hmm. learning things all the time and trying to be busy and then trying to cope when you are busy then when you're quiet, not panicking. Yeah. Yeah. And no, no, I don't know. I don't know. What should we do? Have you got any advice for us? Tell us. <laughs> get, get, get into a bit virtual reality, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good place to end this episode, I think. Uh, um, I, I did have. If I knew what it was, I would. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, 
I did actually have one more question. Do you, do you plan on expanding? Because four seems like such a um, intentional number, maybe. Like, do you plan on growing, contracting? Um, well, maybe don't say if you're contracting, just in case you listen to this in the studio. <laughs> yeah, but no, not we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, no, not particularly. I, don't, I think if you get to maybe six or seven, that's probably as many as people as you'd want to manage. Mm. I can't imagine running a company that's bigger than that. I don't mm. know how people like Vince does it because it would just stress me out too much. Mm. You know, 30 people or 40 people. How mm. would you do that? Yeah. I guess you stop, what's happened at SART, you stop designing and you end up going to meetings. Right. Which would be really boring. Right. So, no, we don't, we don't plan to expand much. Mm. Obviously, if we're really busy, we might get a five or six, but that, I, I but wouldn't want to be bigger than that. But would that be more like contract-based anyway, do you think? Possibly. Yeah, yeah, just like per project yeah. and things, yeah. It's very hard, you know, the uh, projects, project by project, a lot of it. Yeah. There's a few retainers. Ad agencies always used to work on retainer systems yeah. mm. and still do most of them. But even that's becoming, that's changing because clients mm. are, have got more power now. Retainers were great for agencies because you could plan years ahead. Mm. And you say, okay, we're going to do this for the next five years. So we have this account, this is the plan, this is what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah, this hire per this, month. Hire these people. Yeah, this yeah. number of hours, you'll get this per month, and it'll go on for the next three years. Mm. That longevity's gone, mm. and that commitment's gone. This has become so much more important than to build those relationships with clients, and obviously keep doing great work. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, and build relationships at the top because your marketing people move a lot as well. Mm. Like your designers move a lot. Yeah. Marketing people stick around a couple of years at the most. They're good at marketing themselves, aren't they? They're great. <laughs> <laughs> They're great at it. So you, you, you're dealing with a turnover all the time. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to keep, you have to pay attention, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Not just at the work. The work's maybe, what, 25% of it, really. Right. The rest is relationships, delivering, Every, you know, there's that. It's the business of design, mm. which is a lot harder than the design work. The design work's easy. Mm. It's everything else gets a lot harder. Might be the title of the episode: "Design work is easy." Yes, <laughs> um, that's great. I think we we need to leave it there. Thank you. It's been wonderful having you yeah, on. Thank you. Thank you very much. <clears throat> so what we usually do is we go around the table and just kind of mention where people can kind of find find out more about you. So website or Yep. Any social handles or anything? Where would you want, want people to go if they wanted to find um, out more about you guys? On our website, um, churchwoodmelhewish.com. Cool. You'll have to guess how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll put it in the we'll, show notes. We'll put it in the show notes <laughs> just so people don't, don't struggle. And Matt? Leedsworth uh, on Twitter. Great. And you can find me at Flynn Tracy on everything. Uh, so we'd like to thank you uh, for listening or subscribing to the show. If you enjoy the show and have um, have a moment and you want to support us, you can give us a five-star rating in iTunes. You can do a one-star, <laughs> but, you know, we won't look at it. Um, it I, helps. I will. I you that. will? Yeah. <laughs> I take those ones seriously. <laughs> uh, it just helps uh, people find the show, um, and it makes our mums happy and stuff like that. So, um, <gasps> Oh, my mum's listened to the show. Do you want to give her a shout-out? Hi, mum. I just I, I won that race between us oh right yeah. <laughs> my mum has no idea what I do and that's mum <laughs> um, you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com and you can follow the show on Twitter Instagram and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio thanks guys thank you thank you